outlines and different things. Sometimes I have eight or ten points or twenty or thirty. Sometimes today one point, one thought, and um, a couple verses of scripture to kind of uh, reiterate it a little bit. Galatians chapter number six and verse number nine. Galatians chapter number six and verse number nine. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Father, we pray that you'll bless the service, and as we spend a few moments to look at your word, may you uh, encourage us, strengthen us by the truth of your word and by the uh, undergirding, the edifying, the encouragement of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, that we would be steadfast that we would keep on keeping on, that we would not be weary in well-doing, that our labor would be consistent, and that we would continue to, until the day you return or until the day you call us home, that we will continue to serve you and to do so faithfully. We pray that you'll bless all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find in Galatians that Paul speaks here of not being weary in well-doing. And uh, there's a couple things to think about as we read this verse. Uh, there, there is a weariness that comes. There is a physical fatigue that comes in serving the Lord. And uh, what he's dealing with here is not so much the physical weariness as he is the spiritual weariness. To if, if we ever get serving the Lord, and there are times and there are seasons, because Paul taught us that uh, some have planted and some have watered, but God gives the increase. And the increase comes at various times. It doesn't always come in our timing. Uh, it doesn't always come in the time that we think it ought to come. And um, so he gives us some insight here that our job, our, our responsibility, if you will, is to be busy serving the Lord and sharing the gospel and doing the things that he's taught us to do in Scripture and to not be discouraged in it if the fruit is not immediately obvious. The, in, the intent of this verse is that Sometimes there will be labor that is given and no fruit seen for a period of time. Because he uses this phrase that in due season we shall reap. doesn't mean there's an immediate reaping. Now, I'm thankful when there is immediate reaping. And certainly that is the more joyful way of serving the Lord when you're able to share the gospel. And immediately you see someone trust the Lord. Or maybe you read a passage of Scripture and immediately God gives you victory in it, and there's fruit in your life. Uh, we love the immediate results of bearing fruit. But sometimes in serving God and in laboring, and sometimes even in, in learning Scripture and the Holy Spirit working in our lives to bear fruit in us, there sometimes is a delay in the fruit coming. And what Paul is getting at here is that we are not to be weary in this, that we're to continue on uh, I think I think it would be safe to say that if if any uh, and I think most of us all here have experienced this at least to some degree at some point in our lives that we 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 come to a place where we want it, we want so much to see God do something and so we were more bold we're more uh, vocal we're more uh, uh, we we give more diligence I guess you could say to our service. And then we seem to get frustrated because we say, but Lord, I'm not seeing anything happen because of this. And I think to some degree we can all see some of that happening. And the reason is because God's timing is not always our timing. 
And so Paul felt it necessary under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pin these words to us. That we're not to be weary in this well-doing. And that we will reap. There will come a harvest. But it may be in the due season. And I want you to notice this. He also makes the, the understanding in this verse that it only will come if we don't faint, if we faint not. He said we'll reap in due season if we faint not. If we faint, if we give up. Have you ever wondered uh, how many times in our life we've, we've said, Lord, I'm done, and we've given up or we've stopped pursuing that, and we get to heaven one day and we look back and we see that we were just, just moments away from God giving the increase. And we stop just a, a step too early, stop just a moment too soon. And as a result, the increase never came. Look with me, if you will, in Second Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 and verse number 13. And Paul writes here, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Now, I've said this often before. If the Bible says something once, it's important. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And, and, and I think it's very important that, and I, I think in an afternoon service like this, all of us understand that truth. I don't think I have to teach that truth to you. But one thing that sometimes I don't know that we fully understand is this, that God was not, when He was having the Scriptures written, God was not saying, okay, uh, I'm going to have a 1,050-page book, and now I've got to come up with some content to fill it. And so He says at one time, and He thinks, well, you know, i still got some space. I think just to fill up some more room, I'm going to write it again. He's not like we were when we wrote our high school English term papers trying to reiterate the same point over and over, just different ways of wording it. When God puts it in there more than once, it's for emphasis, and it's to show importance of it, and to make sure that we, we don't miss it, that there's something that is, that is very, very important in this matter. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 2 for a moment. Romans chapter number 2, and we'll look in verse number 7. But Romans chapter number 2 and verse number 7. And I, wrote, I must have written the wrong verse down here. Uh, yeah, there we go. Nope, that's the right one. Okay. Uh, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing. So again, this idea of patient continuance uh, along the same idea of Paul when he says, be not weary in well-doing. He says, by patient continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. And so it's very interesting that Paul references over and over again in Scripture, and even though this is a negative connotation of people who are trying to work their way to heaven, he deals with the idea of the well-doing being something that people are to uh, continue in, that we're supposed to be um, dealing with uh, not giving up when we don't see the fruit of it. And so I wanted to share this idea with you. And because I wanted, I came across uh, something a number of years ago with regards to being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like for us, as we get closer to the new year, I'm going to be ordering some new church tracks and some things for us to be able to share the gospel a little more productively. I want to encourage us here at the end of the year to kind of renew our, our drive or our diligence in sharing the gospel with folks, um, that, that we are 
obedient in the area of going and preaching the gospel to every creature and then leave the results in God's hands and let Him give the fruit when He chooses to give the fruit. Uh, and so I wanted to share something with you. I came across this, uh, this testimony of a preacher from London, England, uh, a number of years ago. It's always been a great impact to me. And rather than try to just tell you, because there's so many details to you, I'm going to read to you his testimony for a minute and share with you something that I think will, will be an encouragement along this line of being, not being weary in well-doing. Uh, but a number of years ago, this was uh, probably back, I would say I read this probably 15 years ago, and I think at that time it had been a number of years even then since this fellow had had this happen. So I would think probably towards the end of the 1900s, probably from 1970, 1980, somewhere in there, I would think this, this testimony took place. But uh, this fellow says, a number of years ago in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, uh, during the Sunday mor- or as the Sunday morning service was closing, there was a stranger that stood up in the back and raised his hand and said, can I share a testimony? And the pastor uh, said, you've got three minutes. That's a typical Baptist preacher for you. And I said, you've got three minutes. And the man said, um, I just moved into the area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia. And a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. Um, George Street is a very famous street there in Sydney, Australia. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway and put a pamphlet in my hand and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. He said, I thanked him courteously. And all the way home on the British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. He said, I called a friend who lived in the area uh, where I'm living now, and thank God he was a Christian, and he led me to Christ. And I am a Christian, and I want to fellowship here. And Baptists, you know, we, we like these kinds of testimonies, but it doesn't end there. This preacher that was preaching at the time, and this man had stood up in the end of the service, the next week he was traveling. He went to another town in uh, Adelaide, uh, England. And uh, as he was preaching there, he was in a series of services, uh, and a lady stood up and she said, uh, I used to live in Sydney, and a couple of months back I was visiting friends in Sydney doing some last-minute shopping down George Street. And a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway and offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. And when I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church that was on the next block from me. I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm letting you know that I'm a Christian. This London pastor was amazed that in just about a week and a half or so, he had heard two illustrations in England of a man in Sydney, Australia, on George Street that kept stepping out of the the shop. He uh, was uh, uh, a fellow that heard this testimony. He was sharing it with him uh, when he went to preach at another church, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Heard him share this testimony of hearing these two things. And when the service was over, the man came to him and said, I grew up in church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade, but never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopping on the bandwagon like everyone else. And because of my business ability, he said, I got a place of influence and was uh, in business in Sydney just about three years ago. He said, an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, 
and accosted me with the question, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder, and he wouldn't listen to me. He said, I, I was something, uh, he said, I was seething with anger all the way home uh, on Qantas. And he said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me. <laughs> and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And he was right. My pastor led me to Jesus three years ago. This young, young London pastor was amazed at uh, the influences, I mean, just in a short time. He flew back to the United Kingdom and was speaking in a convention in the Lake District uh, a number of weeks later. He, uh, he sh- shared the three testimonies that he had heard, and at the close of this time, he said four pastors came to him and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through a little man on George Street giving us a track and asking us that same question. Four pastors. He then flew the following week to uh, another convention in the Caribbean uh, to share with missionaries, and he shared the testimonies of all that he had heard so far at the close of his teaching session in the Caribbean. Three missionaries came up and said, We got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through a little man's testimony on George Street that asked us the same question. Coming back to London, he stopped outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and he spoke at a naval chaplain's convention. He was there for three days, and he was encouraging the chaplains, and there were over a thousand of these chaplains there. And he was stirring them up regarding soul winning and having an evangelistic zeal for the Lord. And uh, he said um, uh, the chaplain general, the one that was in charge of it, took him out for supper. And um, he said, he asked the chaplain, he said, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. He said, I was on a Navy uh, United States battleship, and he said, I was living a reprobate life. We were uh, doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbor. He said, we hit uh, the, the, the bars with a vengeance, you know, up and down the, the city there. And he said, I just happened to get on the wrong bus, and it dropped me off on George Street. As I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet into my hands, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, The fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out my chaplain, and the chaplain led me to Christ, and I soon began to prepare for ministry under his guidance. Now, this man is the man in charge of thousands of naval chaplains. The, the London preacher, six months later, flew to, flew to a convention where they had 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India, and uh, Baptist missionaries. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge of it, the humble little man, uh, took him to his house, and they were having a meal. And he said, how did you, as a Hindu, come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic uh, mission, and I traveled the world. And so I'm glad for the forgiveness of Christ, and His blood covered my sin, because I'm very, I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. He said, uh, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping, laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town. I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me. Isn't that amazing? The Hindu priest couldn't help him. 
But he did refer him. The Hindu priest said, there's a missionary down the road. Why don't you go ask him? And so he went down and he saw this missionary to satisfy his curious mind. And as God would have it, the missionary was able to lead him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Eight months later, in the Crystal Baptist Palace, uh, this pastor was ministering uh, again. Uh, and uh, he said uh, to the, the, the fellow pastor that he was visiting with, he said, Do you know the little man, an elderly man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And the, the preacher said, I do. His name's Mr. Ganor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. Well, the preacher said, the evangelist said, I, I want to go see this fellow. I've heard so much about him. I want to go meet him. So two nights later, they were able to arrange it. And he went to the little apartment where this man lived, just a simple little place. He knocked on the door, and this frail little man opens the door. He sat down, and uh, they were having tea together. And uh, as he was there, the, the, the London preacher began to share with this little man the testimonies of these people he had met. And the tears began to come down his cheeks. The little man tells him his story, and this is his story. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was on an Australian warship. He said, I lived a reprobate life and a life of crisis. He said, I really hit the, ball, hit the wall one day, and one of my colleagues, whom, uh, whom I gave a hard time to, was there to help me. He was a Christian, and he led me to Christ. Jesus changed my life. My life was night and day difference. And within 24 hours, I was so grateful to God, I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least ten people a day. As God gave me strength, sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it at other times. I wasn't paranoid about it. Uh, but I have done this for over 40 years, 10 a day. In my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. He said, I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one person coming to Jesus. Until today. This man made a commitment to the Lord to share the gospel to ten people a day. And without seeing one soul come to Christ for over 40 years. Paul said this, And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. One thought today. When we want to quit because we don't see the fruit, keep going. Keep going. God will give the increase. God will give the increase. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. We are so thankful that it is not us that has to do the work. We have to go. We have to share the Gospel. But Lord, we are so thankful that Your Holy Spirit does the work of the heart, changing, transformation work of salvation. We pray that You would help us to learn from Your Word, 
from the things that Paul has shown us and from the examples of those around us to not be weary in well-doing. Lord, there's a great task. There's a world that is lost. There are so many that need to be saved. May we look for every opportunity. And may we not be weary when the times come where we feel that there's no hope, there's no fruit being given. Lord, may we be diligent. May we be faithful to share the Gospel. Dismiss us with Your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.